guys welcome back to well, no, welcome back we're welcoming you to episode 92 all right guys we're back with another one uh as my phone goes off of course goes off as i hit record um but yeah so as i said i have many methods of finding new guests and um you know once in a while one kind of comes and just hits me right on the lap because i didn't ask for it um i'm always looking but i've just kind of been taking a break from finding guests because i have so many at the moment and i have a friend named jade who we met through a facebook group and became friends and uh, we kind of support each other's shows and stuff, and um, I don't know, at some point I might be on hers, but uh, she reached out to me, I don't know, a couple weeks back and said that she had a, a friend that she knew for a while, and uh, she told me a little about her story, and I was like, yeah, I'm down either way. I would have done it just to support her, but just when I heard the story I was in, and uh, so you want to kind of tell us your name and just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hey, everyone. Um, my name is Rachel Handler, and I am an actor. I'm a writer. I'm a producer. And I also happen to be an amputee. Um, I wear a gold sparkly prosthetic leg that I love for many reasons. But one of the biggest reasons that I love wearing a gold leg is that it takes sort of the pressure off of me of having to say, like, you know, answer the question, oh my God, what happened to you? And now instead people are asking or saying, oh, I love your gold leg. So it kind of feels like it helps in a way to demystify disability and just make it something that's part of everyday life instead of this awful, horrible thing that happens to us. Um, right. So that's a bit about me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you carry it well. You're a very bubbly person and kind of noted, I mean, I just met you as far as just hearing your voice, uh, you know, about 10 minutes ago. So it, it, but you have really good, like a good aura and energy about you. Um, thank you. So can thank we, you. uh, and you said it was caused due to an accident you didn't say it on here, but you said it off air, but can you like talk about kind of what life was like before the accident and then kind of lead up to it? Cause I like to like paint a picture for people so they can, you know, cause people just, sometimes people just think it happens and you know, you're born with it or whatever. People don't really know how it happens. And I like to like paint the picture on what we actually go through on a daily basis and the lead up and all that. So, uh, yeah. Can you just talk about what life was like, um, beforehand? Yeah, totally. Um, so before my accident, I was, uh, well, I had just moved to New York city after going to school for musical theater. Um, I was like a huge Broadway nerd in high school, <laughs> loved all the Broadway musicals, singing, dancing, all of it. Um, so I was living in New York City, auditioning for Broadway shows. I was performing in some regional shows at Bucks County Playhouse and places like that. Um, and on, I think it was a Saturday, March 12th of 2012. Oh, sorry. No, March 3rd of 2012. Oh my gosh, it's been a billion years. Um, I was driving to an audition in South Jersey from my apartment in Astoria and I was, um, I was in a minor fender bender, you know, I was driving around the curve in the road and they say to slow down at that curve to like 25 miles per hour, but it's on a highway. So no one does that, but it was raining that day. It was pretty slick. 
Um, so I was in a minor fender bender and I pulled over on the side of the road with the other driver and we, you know, called the police just because we wanted to make quick and official statement about the accident. And, um, that's when another car, uh, going around the curve sort of just spun out of control. And, um, it hit me while I was standing outside of my car by the shoulder of the road. So technically, I was a pedestrian at the time, and um, as soon as the car hit me, I lost my leg. Um, there was no saving it, and uh, you know, in that like moment, two cars—I <laughs> mean, two accidents at once within a five-minute span. Oh my or whatever. gosh! Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we had lawyers look into it because it does sound like bad luck, and it sounds like maybe that road should be fixed, and. You know, legally, there's like nothing they can do for the road. They have the speed limit signs up there that say 25 miles per hour. So that's all they're going to do. But it is a dangerous part of the road. It's kind of a, a curve that comes out of nowhere. And a lot of people don't slow down. And on rainy days, it's even more dangerous. So um, drive safe, everyone. <laughs> like, drive yeah. safe. You are not invincible. <laughs> That is my big message and my big lesson from that day. Um, like, you know, I, I like to think that I'm a safe driver, but sometimes you like might miss a season at sign or, you know, it's a rainy day and you really have to be careful. Um, yeah, so it was really unfortunate and probably could have been prevented if the roads were designed a little better in that area. But um, it is what it is, you know, and. And even in that moment when I lost my leg, I was like, oh, my gosh, does this mean I'm never going to dance on Broadway? <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> I was so hell bent on on performing on Broadway. You know, I just spent four years of my life immersed in singing, dancing, acting, all of that. And I just felt like in that one moment, all of my hard work had just been crushed like my leg. It was gone. Um because I had never seen someone with a disability perform on a Broadway stage. And luckily that has changed. I mean, we have Ali Stroker really paving the way on Broadway and hopefully, you know, that will open up the doors for many more of us with disabilities, especially like BIPOC and other underrepresented communities um, with disabilities because you probably noticed that when you do see people with disabilities on Broadway or on TV, a lot of the times they're like white men. <laughs> and so I think it's really important for all people with disabilities to be represented. Um, yeah, or there's some like, yeah, I, like background character. <laughs> even if they make the show, like if they're in a wheelchair, they're kind of just like the friend or, or something that's just there. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on using people with disabilities as props in the entertainment industry. Um, I just experienced this myself on a TV show and it was really, it like drained my soul because I was working on this show and they wrote a role for an amputee, but um, they wrote it very specifically where it had to be a Burmese woman in her 60s who spoke the language and I was like, oh my gosh, they're never going to find someone who fits that and is also an amputee, at least in this country, like, and is a professional trained actor, like, they're never going to find that. And they didn't. So they cast the Burmese woman in her 60s who speaks the language and hired me as the photo double to be 
the leg, basically. And it felt icky and gross. And I was like, you know what? This is a great story, but it's not your story to tell right now because being disabled is a huge part of this storyline. It's a huge part of that character. And the fact that they are using me as a prop, like literally like just having me sit in the wheelchair, show my leg, and that's it. It makes me feel gross and really unwanted in the entertainment industry. And I'm really sick of these like complex, like layered stories about disability being told without actors with disabilities, without writers with disabilities in the room. Um, And then they use us as like props in the background or props as the leg or whatever, you know, it's not right. It's not okay. And it really needs to stop. I mean, just by me being there and hearing the script, I was able to help a little bit change the script to make it better because I am disabled and I know what terms to use. And I know like just some of the things they were doing. I was like, this is not good. <laughs> do you, you're right. Uh, do you, do you struggle with, cause you know, being an advocate and all, do you like struggle with when to advocate and when not to, because sometimes, you know, sometimes you want to burn the bridge, but you know, if there's not another bridge made, like you may burn a bridge that actually you may not be able to come back from. Um, but then you also have that part of you where it's just like, you know, am I, am I selling my soul right now? Not by not speaking up. Like, should I speak up? Cause it, you know, I know what you mean. I've been in positions like that where it's like, I, I sometimes I've stayed quiet. Sometimes I've spoken up and I'm so sometimes speaking up actually gets you in trouble or, you know, causes a lot more problems than you really anticipated. Whereas if you would have just stayed quiet, that wouldn't have happened. But then when you get home, then you have this part where you start to battle yourself. Like, see, this is the problem. You didn't speak up. Oh my gosh, yes. I struggled with that so much. This just happened last week. I struggled with that so much when I was on the set. Um, I started actually documenting everything that happened, um, taking pictures and like writing notes to myself to remind myself that what they were doing was actually not okay because I kept wanting to rationalize it. Like, oh, this is an amazing story. Like, of course, they couldn't find the actor to play this like it's okay that's why I'm here I kept wanting to like see the positive rationalize say it's okay but really it was not and I wanted to like stand up and stand up for myself and for you know others with disabilities and say like oh that word in the script that's not okay to use to describe someone who's an amputee you know and it, I, I also had to advocate to get better pay. Um, they were asking me to do a lot of work. There was one day where I was, I was working for eight hours. I had a fitting. I had to try on like 10 different outfits um, for this character because, you know, she was a big lead in the story for that episode. And, um, you know, the actress playing the role tried on the same 10 outfits. Uh, but that actress was getting paid like five times more than me because she was the actress that they cast and I'm just a little old photo double for the leg, you know? So while she's making about at least a thousand dollars for that day, I'm only making 200 and, um, it just like, I had to, I, I got to the point where I was ready to quit and I told them, unless I get paid more, I am I'm not coming back. And they said, no, we can't pay you more. So I quit. 
And then they came back and were like, okay, we'll pay you more because it's a freaking huge TV network show. And of course they have the budget to pay. They just don't want to. And I'm like, this looks really bad for you not to want to pay a more fair wage to an actor with a disability. Um, And that particular day I had the fitting. I think that was at like 8 a.m. It was like an hour away from my apartment. And then that took longer than I thought it would. So then I had to rush, rush, rush to get to the other fitting for the prosthetic leg that they were building specifically for me to wear as the photo double for this character. This network was spending thousands of dollars on creating a prosthetic leg, but unwilling to pay me $200 more for that day. It just blew my mind at how yeah. careless and thoughtless that was um yeah basically your so leg they is built more this- valuable than you oh my gosh yeah yeah uh and you know it, I, they ended up having to break the leg to make it look the way that the studio wanted it to look so this beautiful new prosthetic foot that was worth thousands of dollars essentially was broken for this tv show and no one could use it um, yeah, I was throw using away a it, lot of just, money. That's you that. know. Oh yeah, that, that's bad yeah. for just people in general. Like, that's why yeah. I, I don't. I don't. You know, I'm sure same way where you are, but we, you know, we have this problem where people don't want to go back to work because they're still getting this three hundred dollars a month, which is about to end soon. But people don't want to go back to work, mm-hmm. so you see, you know, Burger King, Dunkin' Donuts, all those places. They don't. They can't open up their their restaurants because, or at least the dining areas. Because no one wants to come back to work to to make nine dollars an hour or whatever minimum wages in your state, and so people are just like, "Screw it, I'm not doing this." Like, what's the point? You're you you know. And then you see what they spend money on. It's like, oh, we did renovation on the new floors, and we, we you know we got right. all new lighting and ceiling vans, and it's like, yep. So we got to raise the prices of the sandwiches, and but we're not going to raise the price, or we're not going to raise you know our fee or our, our amount we're going to pay our loyal uh, employees so yeah i mean it, of course it happened it trickles yeah. down i mean you're in a in a, in a specific business but i mean it trickles down everywhere you go so it's not you know it's unfortunate because there's a lot of people that get screwed like that and you know there's not many people that fight they'll just walk off and they won't call you back and that's just the end of it yeah i mean i didn't mean to talk about corporate greed but i do no, also want to mention <laughs> You know, I think that plays into a lot to like people with disabilities are often seen as like, oh, we can't work. We can't be a productive, helping member of society, which is totally bogus and untrue. And I think case in point, I made a documentary last year during the pandemic about how hard it is to get things approved through insurance, um, specifically for people with disabilities. And um you know, it's it's an awesome documentary. We're actually screening at Slamdance this month. So I'm heading to California later, um, which will be really exciting. Um, but my documentary is called How Much Am I Worth? And, you know, it, it explores um, my story, trying to get a leg through insurance. My friend Jaleesa Graham, who is an actress and model who happens to have been born with one arm, um, you know, her journey getting a prosthetic arm and um, Andrea Dalzell, who's a nurse in a wheelchair and has not been able to get a new wheelchair approved through insurance for over seven years. Um, and my friend Denise, who is a leg amputee and lives in Norway and gets everything for free. 
<laughs> and, you know, it's like something's got to change here. Um, and one of the facts that we had in our documentary was um, during the pandemic, when there's so much, you know, suffering, people are losing their jobs, their homes, their health insurance, because that's tied to our employment. Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, United Health still took in over $9 billion in profit. And yet I can't get a prosthetic leg. Elisa can't get a prosthetic arm. Andrea can't get a wheelchair. Like this corporate greed is what's keeping, you know, people with disabilities from being able to really dig into our true full potential. Um, here in America, we have places like the Challenged Athletes Foundation that will give you grants and be able to provide you with you know, um, the tools you need to be able to be an athlete uh, as someone with a disability. And in places like Norway, where Denise lives, uh, that's just given to you. You don't have to fill out all this paperwork to be able to get a grant so you can run again. You know, like, since I became an amputee, I have not been able to get a foot so that I can run um, one of those special blade legs. Because, you know, it's not medically necessary, technically. And, you know, I'm not much of a runner anyway, but I would like to be able to run at some point in my life again, you know. So it's just really sad that in our country, we have such bad health insurance options. And um, it really makes me want to advocate more for people with disabilities to be seen in the media, to be cast in TV shows. Because if we're in your face more, it's like you can't ignore us. You know, you can't ignore us. You can't ignore what's happening. Like, we deserve equal rights. We deserve justice. We deserve jobs. Like, we are, we're here. So stop hiding us, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that's that stuff, why I'm so passionate. Well, yeah. and that stuff is so expensive, too. Like, if I mean, if you can't, if you don't have insurance, and, and the other way about getting it is just paying out of pocket, which... When you see some of this, some of it, some of this stuff isn't even like obviously a prosthetic leg. Uh, obviously, it could be crazy expensive, but they're some of them are really nice and, and so on. But there's some technology, even just with the with being uh, visually impaired, where you'll look at it and it's just some glasses that helps you see. Uh, you know, it has like a little built-in screen in there. Uh, it's kind of like those like Google glasses mm-hmm. and all that. But it helps you just to see things and read things better. But you can't walk with it because if you walk with it, it, it just it's all out of focus. It's really like if you were like you basically put your iPhone or your phone over your face and walked with it while the camera was on because it's just it's just out of focus now because you're trying to zoom in and, and you can't do it while it's walking. So you have to be steady. And it's nice, but they're like ten grand. And Oh wow! And but when you look like I have like Versace sunglasses, and they're they're like the the frame is better <laughs> material, like it's it's you know it's metal, whereas this a lot of it is just like hard plastic. It's just the technology that goes into it makes it so expensive. But they're like again, they're ten grand. Mm-hmm. Who can afford that unless you make really good money? And even if you do, like ten grand is still ten grand. Um, and it's unfortunate, like, yeah, I think stuff like that, insurance and, and, and getting grants and all that, it's hard to to retrieve because, you know, no one wants to really yeah. help us. 
Yeah. At one point I was paying $700 a month for insurance. It was insane. And yet it won't cover this or that, you know? Yeah. Um, I think like when you lose a leg, you should be able to just get a prosthetic leg without worrying about, is this going to bankrupt me? Like it's really messed up that that has to be a concern for someone in America, you know? Yeah. I was reading that GoFundMe is mm-hmm. technically like the third largest insurance company, basically, because so many people turn to GoFundMe when they are in dire medical situations and need some cash to pay to save their lives, basically. Right. Um, it's just a really, really sad and messed up situation we have here. <laughs> don't, don't people get like taxed for stuff like that? Like when they get all that money, I'm pretty sure I've seen where, I don't know if it's GoFundMe, but it's one of those where people get a lot of money. Maybe it's, maybe it's for the, like the creations. What's the, what's the other one? Uh, Kickstarter, stuff like that. Uh, where it's oh, like, yeah. but I think it yeah. is GoFundMe where they get money from all these people, but then they eventually tax it because you can't get anything for free in this country. How dare you? Oh uh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, but that, that is interesting. You said that it's like the third largest. Um, because it, you know, people use that and it's a good tool. Um, people do a lot of nice things. They're really trying to just say, here's some money for your cause and hopefully you get well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and that's, you know, and then somebody has to stick their hand in there and say, well, well, where's my part? It's like, no, it's not about you. <laughs> Um, in a way it like restores my faith in humanity because it's like oh my neighbor joe who who works at the auto station he just donated 50 bucks to me you know and he might need that 50 bucks but it was generous of him to donate but in a way it makes me super mad because places like united health who are making nine billion dollars won't cover that $50 $50 payment, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So it's like, we're asking for money from the people who really can't spare it, but these huge companies certainly can, and it's just <clears throat> mind-boggling that this is still happening. Yeah. 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 I mean... Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of people that are suffering from that. I mean, you know, even if you take it down a different level, where it's people who want to work, because one of the big things I've been passionate about, and I talk to people with disabilities... You know, there's the whole Social Security disability part of it where, you know, obviously the first step is you want to just have confidence. You want to get out there. You want to work. And so you go, okay, I'm going to work. I don't want to lose my disability right now because I have really impeccable insurance and it would pay for a lot of things. Maybe not a prosthetic leg, maybe not for some of the technology that I, I would have needed, but it pays for all your doctors. It pays for you know, any dental, it pays for everything that you, your medications are basically like a dollar or whatever, you know, everything is super cheap, uh, in comparison to where like some of my eye drops just for a small bottle, they're all well over a hundred bucks each where I'm paying maybe at best like five, six, seven, eight bucks. Uh, and so you're like, okay, I don't want to give that up right now. I just want to get out there. I want to work. And then you come to the realization of depending on what your disability is, social security doesn't even want you to work. They, they rather you just stay home because then they're going to, if you work with it, they're going to start taking your money. And then if you get disability where the restrictions are a little lesser, they, um, they still have the restrictions where you can only make 2000 something a month, like 2050 month, but it's before taxes. And so then you're like, I could go out and make a job or get a job that makes more money for me and lose my disability, but it doesn't make up the difference. So like if I'm getting 800 a month and let's say, 
if you added eight, 800 plus some, I don't know, minimum wage job, let's say you're pulling in two grand a month. Now you're making, let's say you're getting a job now where you're making, I don't know, 15, 16, $17 an hour. And now you're getting like 1400 a month, but you're still, or 1300 or whatever, you're still losing a couple hundred bucks. But beyond that, you're losing your insurance. And, you know, it, it, there's so many variables to it. So you can go out there and, you know, you, you take a lot of risk with a person with a disability because you know the limitations that people put on you anyway that you're, that you don't feel that you have, but the world puts on you. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously you're out there taking a lot of risks and you're just, you're strong headed and you're just going for it. But, um, you know, there's so many ways to just being trapped because you just, because it's unfortunate that we need money to survive because if we didn't, yeah, life would be a little easier because I don't really, <laughs> I don't really care about money that much. You know, obviously I need it to pay my rent, you know, feed my cat and feed myself and buy my little trinkets and all that. But in general, I don't really care about money that much. It's not, I don't find any value in it, but unfortunately I need yeah. it to survive. And uh, I love that you use the word trapped because that's exactly how I feel about that kind of situation. I've been calling it government enforced poverty. Yeah. It really is a trap because you want to work and make money, but then your insurance gets taken away, but then your home health aid gets taken away, right? Like yeah. they keep it so you can't, you, you're just trapped in this cycle and yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a I actually have a, a friend way. who made a documentary about that um, for the Disability Film Challenge. Huh. Um, a lot of films were made actually last year um, that were so insightful to the disabled experience for the Disability Film Challenge. Um, and the Disability Film Challenge is actually how I started making my own short films and writing my own content because it's an amazing um, it's an amazing competition with incredible prizes and you meet all of these really wonderful other filmmakers with disabilities. Um, so I can't say enough good things about the disability film challenge. Um, oh, and it's sponsored by Easter Seals. So technically it's the Easter Seals disability film challenge. Um, but my friend Nick Novicki founded it and every year there's a different genre that the filmmakers have to do. So in 2020 it was documentary and there were just so many incredible documentaries made about being disabled in America, mostly because it's an American competition. Um, and it was just so fascinating to watch all of these incredible stories, you know, and one of them was about a guy in a wheelchair who's um, about to make too much money where his home health aid will be taken away, but then it's way too expensive to be able to pay someone to be his home health aid out of pocket. So he's just trapped and not able to take the promotion that he wants to take and move further in his career. So I found that story especially interesting, but um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, it's, it's amazing how many, you know, powerful people out there that are doing such great things, you know, with what they lack. Um, even when I, you know, doing job interviews, like people look at me and say, oh, you know, I respect what you're doing. It's just, unfortunately they don't, you know, want to hire me for certain stuff. Um, right. But right. yeah, I mean, I was even talking to like my friend Natalie, who is also legally blind and she was consulting on a movie where they have a blind character and, um, they told her, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll pay you 500 bucks. You'll type up some notes for us and that'll be that. And then they asked her to do 
a meeting and then another meeting and then another meeting. And she was like, wait, am I still only getting paid $500 for all of this work? Right. And it's a huge studio. And they're like, uh, yeah, this is standard and tried to make her feel bad for asking for more money. Yeah. And it's like, um, no, if she was not disabled, if she was not a woman of color, would you be coming back at her like this? You know? So yeah. I think it's just really like, if you, are living with a disability, it's, people, you know, it's so hard because people will stereotype us, you know, they will try to, like, make us feel like we're asking for too much when really we're not asking for enough, you know? Well, well so I, what yeah. I think a lot of people don't really know is, you know, unfortunately, people like you, me, and your friends, and a lot of us out there, we, a lot of us have to sacrifice a lot to put ourselves out in the world to take those licks and have to be put in those vulnerable mm-hmm. positions to, you know, completely just be open and vulnerable and, and, you know, and you have to either stand up or don't or, but either way you have to be, you have to fight for the amount that you want or you got to fight for whatever it is that you want a job um, just for your own mental sanity or just for any kind of freedoms you, you need to fight. And a lot of us are afraid to do that. So some of us have to, really do it for others because when you look around you know even just what I was going to say before is like I don't want to one of the reasons why I do this is just so a lot of other people don't have to um because there's a there's a lot of humility there's a lot of uh you know people don't realize how much you know how open and vulnerable I am I talk about everything and also just you know so people don't feel alone and all that but also so that Mm -hmm. you don't um so you so you know, like the journey isn't easy just because some of us stand on a stage and we can say like, you know, we can say we're a little happier than most or we're at, we're at a certain point in our lives that maybe you're not, but we're still like, we're still going through it. It's not like just because you have a job and maybe you don't need social security and you know, you have, you have friends and family and you can smile like, that's great, but there's days, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm not going to speak for you, but there's days I'm sure you just, you're depressed, and you're just frustrated, and, and not, I mean, I'm sure just with life and, and, and just everything. I mean, you just talked about it, really. Uh, yeah. And it's not always easy. No matter how good our lives, no matter how much better, and how much, you know, fighting, and, and how much we strive to, to get to this point in our lives right now, which is a better place than we were five years ago, ten years ago, whatever, Um there's a lot of bumpy roads and there's still some in the way. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I just made a film. Um, it's called, so you want to be an actor. And, um, it was a little scary for me to make this film because it's a mockumentary and it's really poking fun at the entertainment industry and how ridiculous some of their portrayals of disability have been. And um, I used my own experience in the roles that I've played to sort of poke fun at this industry um, in a very lighthearted way. And um, the, the mockumentary is me playing a teacher to a young girl who's also an amputee. And I'm telling her, okay, it's great. You want to be an actor? And now there are four categories of roles for us disabled actors. And I tell her, like, I'm stereotyping us because that's what my character has been so used to. You know, she's an actress with a prosthetic leg. She's been stereotyped her whole life. 
Um, so she's broken it down into four categories. She's like, we can play the dead body. We can play the hospital patient. We can play the angry or suicidal military veteran, or we can play the victim, you know, not, not a dead body, um, but we can play the victim uh, just in general, you know, and those are the four categories she's sort of broken down for disabled people. And um, by the end of the film, this young girl is like, lady, this is ridiculous, you know? Like, we are so much more than that. We can be so much more than that. Like, let's write our own story, you know? Um, so it's really, it's a story of, like, hope and change and the youth are, are going to save us all, basically, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but I really, I loved making the film, but I was a little scared because I'm like, I'm definitely poking fun at the entertainment industry and at the powers that are, currently active and I, I just felt like it was an important story to tell because um, I don't want to see these stereotypes anymore I see I want to see more characters with disabilities layered and complex people who are going through you know everything uh, like pregnancy and and loss and love and I want to see a disabled love interest I want to see a disabled superhero all of that um, and I'm just tired of all the stereotypes and, and inaccurate portrayals. So yeah. it was important to make that movie, but it was also really scary. <laughs> we, we have Daredevil, but Daredevil, even though he's blind, he can still kind of see. And he's the guy who plays him isn't really blind, so there's that. But um, Yeah, that's not the best representation. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying it's the actually, closest thing we have. <laughs> oh, well, you know... Um, Okay, I want to follow up on that. But with Daredevil um, on Netflix, they did not cast a blind actor, which was upsetting. And then it was also just very, um, I've had a lot of my blind actor friends comment on that show. So I'll let them speak more on that. But um, that's when Netflix started providing audio description for their series because the blind community reached out and was like, hey, you're making an entire show about a blind superhero, and yet it's completely inaccessible to everyone who's blind to right. watch it because there was no audio description at the time, and it's such an action-packed show. Yeah. Um, and for any listeners who don't know, audio description is just describing what's happening on the screen when there aren't words right. um, or it's dialogue. It's the opposite of what the, yeah. deaf, the deaf one is, whereas the words come up on the screen um, because they can't hear, it, they use their vision, whereas with us, we need to use our hearing. So they actually have to describe specific scenes and what's actually going on, not just, I mean, they hear the dialogue, but they're like when the fight mm -hmm. sequences are happening, they need to know exactly what's going on because otherwise they just hear crashing and people falling and moaning. Right, exactly. So audio description is so, so important. And thanks to like, you know, the blind community and ASB and all of those organizations, Netflix now provides audio description. Um, but it took that show and the irony of it all to finally make them see, oh, this isn't okay. We need to make this accessible. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but I do love like shows like This Is Us. Um, they usually cast authentically. And in one episode, they showed um, a character who is blind and they cast a blind actor and that made me so so happy um so there are shows out there like 
sort of paving the way with authentic representation. A lot of them get it wrong, but every now and then you'll see like a really nice, you know, role where like, um, I'm trying to think like on The Good Doctor, Nick Novicki, the founder of the Disability Film Challenge, he had a really nice role where he played a hospital patient. Um, he's a little person and he was a hospital patient, but he was also, it turned out he was married, but also like cheating. And it was such a layered, complex character. I was like, oh my God, you never see that. You know, normally characters with disabilities are one dimensional. So it was just nice to see him, even though he ended up like not being the greatest moral compass. <laughs> yeah. It was nice to see a layered character. Yeah. Do you yeah. think? Do you think there's like a, I don't know, like a metamorphosis, like a, a evolution of what we have to go through? Because you see, like, okay, like obviously black actors. I mean, you know, they, you know, one of the things you've seen back in the day. One, well, it started with people just doing blackface characters. And then eventually it evolved into, you know, even with like uh, horror movies, you just see like the black guy would die in the beginning of the movie. But now you see <laughs> Will Smith, who's like the highest paid actor out there. Uh, is there like an evolution you think that we have to go through? Because I'm mean, even like gay characters like there every so often you maybe you would see like a girl kiss or something. But now you actually see gay love interest. I mean, you have shows like uh, Six Feet Under that was a predominantly gay show. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you had gay networks and, and all that. Again, I know people with disabilities are still always the kind of the last to get what they want, but I mean, is there, do you think there's some sort of evolution of that where, you know, as I talked about before about RJ Mini playing kid on Breaking Bad, which is one of the greatest shows ever and on a made, you know, on an AMC and, and everyone saw it and he actually had cerebral palsy. Uh, do you think there's like some sort of evolution that has to come with that where you have to start with the bad where we're basically upholstery we're just in the background where and then maybe we turn into like the weird quirky friend and then at some point maybe you got somebody who's just a leading actor yeah for sure for sure I think um, even in the span of the past like 10 years since I've joined the disabled community, I've seen so much growth. You know, when I was laying in the hospital bed, I did not know what a prosthetic leg looked like. I hadn't seen one, you know, let alone how much one would cost. Um, but I think now like I'm seeing people with prosthetic legs in commercials, you know, I'm seeing um, uh, autism on TV shows. Um, sometimes not accurately, but right. I feel like there has been progress. It's slow, but it is happening. Um, Daryl Chill Mitchell being a series regular on NCIS New Orleans and he uses a wheelchair. It's like, I want to see so much more of that. I want to see people with disabilities as series regulars on TV shows where they're in every episode and an important part of the story. I don't want us to just be props or just in one episode. I want us to be important and I want us to be shown accurately. Um, and I think, you know, he's one example. There's a few others like um, Speechless with Micah Fowler and Special on Netflix with Ryan O'Connell. Um, but I want, I, I want there to be more, you know, the, the, entertainment industry is so saturated right now with new TV shows. I'm like, why aren't we seeing more employment for actors with disabilities? You know, it's like 
Yeah. It's increasing, but not at the rate that new TV shows are increasing. So, well, so many networks. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's ridiculous now that you got, you know, with Disney jumping in and you got HBO and you got Hulu and Netflix mm-hmm. and, and Amazon Prime. And then you just have the TV networks by itself. And, of course, you still have stars yeah. and Showtime and all that. It, it, you know, of course, it got slowed down a little bit because of COVID, but now we're kind of getting back to that. And now there's shows just coming out about everything, just the dumbest shit ever. Uh, I think that was like a South Park joke. For they, sure. were, they were making fun of Netflix and how they would just, they you just called in about anything. They go, you got the money. Good. Whatever you want. <laughs> and um, but yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, it, it's pretty yeah. funny. It's like, it's the golden age of TV. And I actually, I started writing a TV pilot. It was just named a quarter finalist in the Stage 32 TV comedy screenwriting competition. So I mean, I would love to pitch it to somewhere like Netflix or, you know, NBC. Um, It's a comedy about, like, a group of friends with disabilities, basically. And um, they're all very, like, messy, quirky characters. It's kind of like New Girl meets Special. Um, And I really, like, I'm I'm just passionate about writing more authentic representations of disability and, and trying to get that out there instead of, some of the garbage that you do see on Netflix nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've gone to the dark yeah. basements of the dark basement of Netflix. Where I'm just like, let's see, you've seen this show. Here's 95 things that are kind of similar. It's like, oh, uh, right. what's this? It's like, oh, why am I watching? I'm, I'm a season and a half in. How did I make it this far? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, one of the things I, I would love to see is or just get over the the feeling of like I, I watched the last uh, King Kong versus Godzilla and there's a there's a deaf girl in there and again I don't know if she's fully deaf I have no idea I'm I'm just gonna take their word and say she is uh, but she plays the character great and I just I want to get over that feeling of like oh she's probably you know fully she could hear perfectly they're just using a, you know they just don't want to use one of us uh, that feeling I just because you know that's what you automatically go to every time you see an actor who has a disability in a movie or a show you immediately assume that they don't have the disability um, mm-hmm. and I want to kind of get mm-hmm. over that because you know again it's just representation because you can't if someone were to do blackface now they would have a conniption about it it would it would be all, everywhere the show would be canceled and you know, so why is it any different? I mean, yes, just because someone like Tom Hanks or someone who has like credibility in the acting world uh, and they do it well doesn't mean, you know, it's still right. Um, and it's just, and then right. there's a lot of information that they just get wrong and they don't ever really consider just having us on, even if they have some, one of us on just to kind of, you know, guide them through it. It just seems like it's always this lack of information. It's just like, yeah, we're just going to go with what we perceive you you live like. And it's like, no, it's not how you do it. Um, right, right. How, how do you like, I, how do you live like without being like typecast? Because, I mean, I'm sure you probably do all the time. I mean, you have something that's so visible to the world that, they, you know, when they see you, it's like, well, it's not like I'm going to put you in some action film, which they could. But, I mean, how do you, how do you I mean, how do you deal with it? Yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough where I have been playing um, roles that don't really include my disability. Um, I can cover my prosthetic leg so you can't really see it. I don't love hiding it, though. That feels icky to me. But um, I've played a nurse. I've played a juror. Um, and I've played a lawyer, an FBI agent. 
And um, none of these roles included my disability. It was just there, which I really love. Um, my favorite role was actually when I played a congressman's aide on NCIS New Orleans. And I got kidnapped and the whole story was like about like I had this information that bad guys wanted and um, it didn't really have anything to do with my disability. I was just a lead actor on the show for that episode and it was amazing. Um, And I want to see more, more, you know, casting like that where, you know, they cast someone in a wheelchair as the receptionist and the story has nothing to do with that you know, disability. Um, I think it's a shame that a lot of people still don't see the importance of casting authentically and including disability in the entertainment industry. Um, like we all agree that blackface is a hundred percent wrong, but then a lot of people will say, you know, when you cast someone like Brian Cranston in the movie, the upside, which I was in. I played Kevin Hart's boss in one scene. Um, That's cool. Yeah. But when you see like Brian Cranston, who does not use a wheelchair in real life, playing a wheelchair user, people are like, oh, oh, yeah, I get it. He's famous. He's an amazing actor. Like, of course they cast him in that role. But really, like that would have been a game-changing, life-changing role for someone in a wheelchair. Um, I can think of five amazing actor friends who use wheelchairs who could have performed that role. And um, they didn't even get a chance to audition because the movie studio needed a huge star name. Well, you know what? They already had Kevin Hart. Like, give someone who's not got a name a chance to really shine. And then you're involving the disability community. Like, we are going to come out and support that. And then that person gets kind of famous and then they can start helping others with disabilities get more roles and create a more inclusive industry. But that chance is never, ever given to people with disabilities. Well, if you notice, like like when people get Oscars, a lot of times it has to do, I mean, if it's not like a slave movie or whatever, a lot of times it's a movie like, let's say, Dallas Buyers Club with McConaughey where he has to play a person who has AIDS and whatever. And again, McConaughey's a great actor. Brian Cranston, a great actor. And so, yeah, Kevin Hart's mm-hmm. famous, famous, probably even more famous than Brian Cranston, but Brian Cranston is one of the you know great actors. So it's like to put you need to put people in those roles that actually will draw attention to just the acting part of it. And so they need someone who's like established on that. And again, I'm not saying it's right, but... They need someone who's that established because that that's what draws the awards. Um, because you know, it, 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 when people win awards, it's always for somebody. You have to feel bad for the character, and you know, if they're well, let's let someone in a wheelchair win that award. You no, know? you're right. You're like, right. But I'm just saying they. That's, that's what where I'm they saying. It's like studios use the money. They use the money as the excuse, no, and yeah, yeah. it's not an excuse anymore. It's just not. They've got plenty of money. And especially in that particular example, they had another star name. So it's like, why not take a little bit of a risk and cast authentically and let the person with the actor win the Oscar? Because when you don't look for actors with disabilities for disabled roles, you're sending the message that we don't exist, that there are no actors with disabilities that are talented in this world who can play this role. And that's just not true. And that's why I think it's really defeating when the industry says, we have this amazing 
disabled role, but we're not going to audition or cast any actors with disabilities. So then it's like we are completely left out of the conversation. If we're not asked to audition for roles that aren't specifically written with disabilities, and we're not asked to audition for roles with disabilities, we are completely shut out. And that's just not okay. And it has to change. And I'm so sick of the excuses of the money or the fame. Those aren't excuses anymore. Industries take chances on new names every day. Studios are always taking risks on some no-name, up-and-coming, like, someone like Jennifer Lawrence. Like, why can't we take the risk or cast an authentic person with a disability? Um, and the answer is because people don't think people with disabilities can do it. But we can. Right. Over TV <laughs> so shows, I'm, I'm, though. I'm not taking the risk. Yeah. TV yeah. show more, though, than movies. Because movies is mainly about box office and stars and all. But TV shows... I mean, even Breaking Bad with, with Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston wasn't, I mean, he was known for Malcolm in the Middle, but the reason why he got the role was because of uh, the guy who created the show had him on the X-Files and all that, but he wasn't that, he was just known for being a father on a sitcom. Or sitcom. Um, but if you look at a lot of the biggest shows, like The Sopranos and, and even Game of Thrones, and like a lot of these characters, no one knows these actors. They were never known. Like they're unknown people anyway. Um, a lot of them are from like other countries and they just come into this country and it's like, oh, you got this role for me and, and you, you know, you're playing this huge role. And it's like now, like you look at the guy who played the dwarf in, in Game of Thrones, he, you know, he's one of the most known people in the world now. But before that, no one knew who the hell he was. You know, it, it's it, so it's, it's there's really no excuse to just say like, oh, well, uh you know, well, we didn't know these people existed because you're actually going out of your way to find some of these actors uh, because you saw them in some play or you saw them in some movie in the UK. And it's like, well, I want that guy to play this role. It's like, well, a lot of these guys are unknown anyway. So why can't you just find someone with a disability uh, to play that role? Because they're unknown too. Like it's, it's not like they're, you know, you don't see Will Smith or Bruce Willis or whoever. You don't see them in these big television shows. Because really, they're just they're box office. They're, that's what they're made for. They're not really meant to be in a show for nine seasons. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think you know, TV and film. We just need more representation all around. Is what it comes down to. Yeah, and we made so many strides with women and gay people and black people and, and Hispanics and, and, and Asians and everything. Like we've we've made a lot of strides in that avenue. It's just people with disabilities is, is always been the one tricky one that we have not uh, really conquered or overcome. I don't, you know, it's, yeah. it's just, it's one of the last ones where you just go like, I don't know. I mean, in some of these shows, they do real research, like even show like the wire, for instance, like the guy who, the two guys that wrote the show, one was a news reporter and one was a former cop. So it's like they have experience. A lot of these shows do, like Breaking Bad and Sopranos, like they do a lot of research on what the mob was like or how to cook meth and all that. They do real research. So they go so in-depth, some of the greatest shows of all time, and you're just like, so you do that kind of research, but, you know, how how do you leave out? And again, not those shows specifically because some of them didn't really have anybody. With, well, Breaking Bad did, but, um, you know, but there's very few shows where you just go like, well, why, why couldn't you just throw someone in there with like who actually is on a, you know, in a wheelchair or whatever. Like it's not, some of these shows do real research. They don't, they don't just throw anything out there. Um, so why, why be so basic and plain about someone who has a disability? Yeah. 
go all yeah. in. Yeah, especially like comedies, like Superstore had a guy who was playing a wheelchair user but wasn't actually a wheelchair user as a series regular. And they hired someone, um, my friend Santina actually, who uses a wheelchair to be a disability consultant for the show. But it's like, just cast someone in a wheelchair. Like, I know so many funny guys who, you know, use a wheelchair or walk or whatever and could have, like, been amazing in that role on that show. Um, but they wanted, like, that specific actor. So it's like, okay, have that specific actor, but don't put him in a wheelchair. Like, stop this, you know? <laughs> anyway, TJ, this was so fun. I'm sorry I have to run to another meeting, actually, but I really enjoyed speaking with you. Yeah, this was fun. I enjoyed uh, just your time, and it was good to get to know you. Um I'm just trying to think if I have any questions kind of finish up here. Uh, shit. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I'm just glad you exist. I'm glad you're out there doing your thing. Cause like I said, there's not enough people that are, uh, you know, just putting themselves out in the front line to, uh, and making themselves so vulnerable. Cause like I said, there's, we need more. I mean, I know there's, I know you can name a bunch of people, but it's still not enough. Uh, and we just got to keep, fighting and, and getting ourselves out there and just kind of humbling the world to know what we go through. And, uh, so yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, if you ever need anything, there's anything you want to, uh, uh, promote. Um, you know what? I've got a few projects going on. You can follow me on Instagram at bionic.brunette, um, or Twitter at Rachel Handler. And, um, hopefully I'll have some new announcements soon. I'll probably do a post, today so you can learn about me there more if you'd like sounds good yeah we'll uh we'll talk soon awesome all right have a wonderful afternoon you too (laughs) bye boy hey guys that was fun i didn't know where that was going and you know it sucks that it had to drastically end because she's a very busy girl, and so I get the time I get, and that's okay. We'll uh, we'll live with it. Uh, I hope everybody's doing well out there. Uh, I'm just kind of in a I don't know I'm in a weird headspace today. Like I said, that's the kind of people are gonna just think I'm bipolar because I'm just so I don't know. I'm not like I'm not depressed really. I'm just kind of like in a blad mood, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I'll get out of it. Uh, I was actually supposed to do another interview right after this, but she uh some some health issues, so we're gonna reschedule. Um, Bullet, where are you? Ah, there he is. <laughs> I love that he knows his name. He just comes out when he hears it. Hi, buddy. All right, you stay over there. Um, but yeah, I'm just some. I'm just a little out of it today, I guess. I don't know. It's just like, how many days is this going to be like this? I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I said, mental sanity, mental sanity, I'm just tripping over my tongue like crazy today. Mental sanity has been, yeah, it's been pretty decent, pretty balanced. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, guys, like I said, uh, I don't know if I said this on our previous episode, but the goal is to try to get to 10,000 downloads by the end of the year. And technically, we're going to hit it before. The problem is, is when I switched apps from Anchor to Podbean, there's like 900 downloads over there that don't really count now. So technically, we're already well over 9,000. Uh, so in reality, that we're already closer than realization. But on the Podbean app, we're about 8,600, uh, which is good. Like That's cool. 
Uh, maybe even more than that at this point. I haven't checked. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to get to 10000 by the end of the year, and it's very attainable. So I, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, honestly. So thank you guys for all the support, and, and um, I'm just going to keep bringing good guests. I, like I said, I didn't know much about this woman, so I, I, I knew she did some stuff in Hollywood and some plays and stuff. I didn't know she was, like, in NCSS and all that. Uh, I didn't know she, like, met Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston and all that. That's cool as shit. I wish I could have had more time to talk to her, but... Uh, yeah, maybe down on the road we'll we'll be able to talk more. Um, but yeah, guys, like I said, it's more, just another story, another view from a place that you know you don't know where we you didn't know we were there. Um, there's apparently there's a lot of us that are trying out acting and um, they're they're overcoming as we all try to. So I hope you all are having a good day, and uh, we're just gonna get out of here. All right. We're going to just, we're just going to take this ship and fly off, which in reality, we're, we're not really going to go far, but you know, we're going. Bye guys. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs>